been a star of their season tonight. He showed the world what he could do. My God, a question. An extra gear for the freshman. Touchdown. And the freshman is off. Foot race. <laughs> They're looking at shoe bottoms and nothing else. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Future Freshman Podcast. Welcome to episode 24, and we are going to keep this train rolling. Of course, I finally get the best hair in the biz coming onto the show. Uh, we, we're trying to go three deep, but we have one-third of our guy missing. Shout-out to Mr. Ethan Sowers. He's on the weather. Hopefully, we'll have him back on eventually. But I had to get the bet on C2C crew back in here and talk a little bit of freshman. Of course, I'm bringing in Mr. Chris K. Chris, welcome back to the show, or welcome to the show. I think this is your first time on the podcast, right? It's my first time, yeah, but I've talked That's to you right. a bunch, obviously, right? But it's always a great chat with you. A little bit different this time around, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. last season it was more about impact current players, and now we are trying to future forecast a little bit, which is fun because this is way more your area of expertise. Um, right. But I think there's, like, areas where I can provide a little value, and so it's a fun combination, uh, but a little bit of a role reversal, which would be good. Yeah, and you don't have to host. You get to sit back and just give me your hot takes, which I like. You're a Big Ten guy. Talk about some Big Ten. You're also a connoisseur in best ball. You play a little dynasty, too. You play in the big boy dynasty, the 50-man, I believe. So that gets a little little thin, man. So you have to really get out there and find these guys. So I think that's like the mission, right? Trying to find these diamonds in the rough, regardless if it's in a Big Ten school or not, right? Yeah, I think uh, even if you don't get the right player right, there's still the idea of, like, am I on track or, like, understanding the offenses enough, right? Like, yep. uh, these all these schools bring in two, three, four, maybe five at the same position. And a lot of times it's like, am I even targeting the right position for the right offense? So I think um, I have had a lot of experience just – following a lot of it, especially Big Ten. I feel like Big Ten is way more up my alley than some of these other areas uh, that others are expertise is at. But Big Ten definitely feels up my alley. And to be fair, Big Ten's a little bit uh, – we're talking Big Ten today. I'm not going to spoil it. I don't want to spoil the show, but Big Ten. I mean, they're hearing along. They know it's coming. So <laughs> Yeah, right? So it's a little bit more self-explanatory, too, than other conferences where there's so many different – ranges of offenses i feel like big Ten's pretty simple in styles so i agree yeah other than the high octane of ohio state and you know a couple other options right like most of it's ground and pound defense but you know there's some still really good really good fantasy features there so we're gonna actually bring those guys up first let's do a little homework course both me and chris you can find a lot of our work at campus articles tools guides all the different memberships of course the nil still one of my favorites to this day as well um chris we're just wrapping up we got the final stages of the cff guide it's on pre-order already for 20 bucks what's uh, a maybe a player maybe a team that you got to uh, do that you're just uh you dove into and you found a little bit more about than you did originally before you did you got one in mind that just sprung up in your head um well i i landed on like KJ and Jordan Travis for the player profiles. And I, I feel like I really realized how good of talents they are for just straight, like 2023 in terms of redraft best ball. Um, so, you know, Daquan Finn, I did some profiles on those guys and I always liked them. Finn. I love, I didn't, I didn't need to do the profile, uh, profile for them, but for him, but uh, Travis Jefferson, like it really is crazy how good, 
and how productive they were and should and will be in 2023. So doing those were uh, a little bit more eye opening. Like to you know, hey, like I really need to be targeting. I like the guys. Well, now I really need to be targeting them, right? So I thought that was pretty interesting. You've done a ton of them, right? Like I always, it's funny. I always like peg. I like immediately. I'm like, here's my five or six pages or whatever, right? And then I tend to like maybe only do like one or two more. But Brandon, I feel like you've done a ton of them. Is there one for you? One or two? I haven't guys done like a bunch. Shout out to Mox. I mean, that dude. Like I go to put one of his names already on there, so I'm like, all right, let's go to the next one. And so I just keep scrolling down. So him and Nate, Jared, they've been killing it. But uh, you know, you, me, and Ethan, we've been in contributing. Justice has been in there as well. And even our boy Justin, their volume picks is uh, helping out too. Uh, my favorite I did today is Marquez Cooper, man. Just a ton of fun, you know, going from one Mac to the other, leaving his OC leaves for Colorado, but he lands in like the best scenario. That's probably one of my favorite things to write is like, you just got to like a Maction star that's still a Maction star. So I definitely loved uh, talking about Marquez Cooper. Of course, I uh, snagged up one Bryson has been little Nate McCollum. So, you know, for those that are following any of the Tar Heels, you know, I tried my best. Of course, Tez was taken, but. You know, I got to, you know, write a little bit of the Tar Heels, write about Marquez. So it was been a lot of fun. But all that's to say, like, the guide's going to be great, guys. Like, the team profile's just pretty much almost complete. Finishing up some player profiles. We're wrapping up here soon. So go check that out. $20 for pre-order. Or if you're an NIL till member, it's going to hit the weekend of July 4th. So I believe that's July 1st or 2nd. I'm not sure exactly the day, but it's going to happen pretty then. So literally just less, pretty much a week away. So go check that out. And I've got the best guy in the house to talk about this one. So, of course, home field <laughs> apparel is one of our guys or one of that, that's uh, affiliated with us now at Campus to Canton. 15% off. Of course, the promo code is Campus to Canton. Chris, I mean, you, you're trying to go VIP status, right? Like, you're like the guy, like, it's got the gold card at home field apparel. Like, uh, I, tell, tell, I'm, tell him why. I unfortunately do have the VIP status. Yeah. I did the I subscriptions did. from day one. I just always enjoyed. Like the smaller school, I like. I didn't care if it was a smaller school, right? And they gave a good discount for just like the week to week. Hey, you're gonna get the shirt, but you get a discount type of thing. So I've done it for years. I've purchased a bunch of stuff. Like it's kind of like a go to. I have a brother that's a Michigan State fan, so I bought him stuff. My dad's a Michigan State fan, uh, which is leading into maybe a conversation because I'm a Michigan fan. But that's for another day, Brandon. Uh, we don't have yeah. enough time for that one. Um, um, no, we had your boy Brandon Champion on to lead the Michigan State way. So uh, it's only yeah. fair to bring the Michigan guy back in. Perfect. Right? Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the, the thing is, right, like I have so many friends and people that I am close with that I like that have different schools that appreciate different schools and teams, et cetera. Right. Like and this gear is just awesome. I feel I find it very soft and comfortable. I bought my wife mm-hmm. stuff and she loves it. Um, because like a lot of the logo, I think for me, it's a logo thing. The comfort is definitely there. Uh, once you find the size, that's like really perfect for you, which I feel right. like by now I definitely have, but the logos are fun, right? Like it's like my wife loves like all logo. the, the retro dog logos, yeah. like, or like the, like the Washington Huskies one with the roses or like the Gonzaga Bulldog one, like she, it's just really easy to find a logo slash shirt that is uh, that fits a person that you care about. And that's just been super easy to me. Maybe I just have a lot of people that love college sports or like their college yeah. in general. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I have like so much in like the, the sweatpants are incredible. The, the hoodies are, inc- I bought a hoodie like a month ago 
like who buys a hoodie in May in Atlanta, Georgia, like psychopaths. Right. So I mean, you never know the weather could change. It is what well, it is. They gave a, they gave a good still. discount. So I wasn't going to say no to it. So they do a good so. job of listening to people and what is like super interesting or what's top of mind, which is like mm-hmm. a really big selling point for me. So I love it. I can't speak enough to it. Or how much, how many shirts or whatever do you own? Brandon? I got two so far, but then they just came out with like the uh, baseball looking ones for the Tar the Heels and then stuff. For the old, yeah, and the, the Ramsey stuff, the retro, man, like they just keep adding more, man. So I literally have a list of, long, uh, a list of my long and because I'm not trying to go VIP, I might actually just do the whole multiple. I might have a few emails I can burn if I need to basically <laughs> to use this promo code. So what we're telling you is use the sweet promo code, save 15%, man. Uh, Chris won't be using because that VIP, VIP status is important for him. So he will no longer, he'll only use this code <laughs> once because it's all the times he gets to have. So hopefully it was a big purchase, K, and you're able to kind of save some money, at least when you did the one time, man. But go check out Home apparel man like i said you won't be disappointed for any college fan that's out there that's listening all right man we're going to talk about the big 10 conference we're going to do rbs and wide receivers uh had to put our, our guy mr darius taylor there in minnesota we might be bringing him up here in just a few minutes as well minnesota's interesting and i want to talk about that just because i've been listening to some of the summer series with bud elliott and things like that it's trying to catch up which uh you know nate's really big on listening to that stuff and getting those golden nuggets and things like that so i'm really big on trying to dissect that stuff and kind of listen in because a lot of the beat writers they got stuff in mind but who better to talk about first than a guy out of Michigan. And this is right yeah. up your alley because I have some questions about the Michigan offense. You made it easy on me. Thank you. I did. I did. I, I was trying to make it easy on Ethan, but he, you know, he couldn't be here because he was sick. So we're going to talk about Penn State, and I'm just going to keep it real. I did get to uh, write up about Drawler, so I'm kind of intrigued by Penn State this year. But this is Mr. Cole Cabanum. He's an on-three consensus 92.06. He's a four-star athlete there. Cole Cabana is 5'11", 175 pounds. That is on the Michigan website. So in, in case he gets bigger, I'm going to leave that up to you, Kay, if you, you tell me he's gotten bigger or not, whatever that's the case. Have you seen this guy? I know he's like uh, stretched out for those that are watching YouTube, but his arms remind me of freaking Luke or like freaking McCaffrey, man. Like they're just gigantic arms. And I know he's like a smaller dude, but it gives me McCaffrey vibes. So when I was first looking at it, you know, like the recruiter team loves him. They love all his tangibles. But when I talked to um, when I talked to Corey, um, when we did the Debbie slash CFF episode, wasn't too big on him. He doesn't think that he could possibly be a pro style. And I understand, especially with the tangibles and things like that. But the dude is extremely fast. He ran track and field. Okay, I see this guy's like an, an, an Edwards maybe replacement. Um, I, I heard that maybe Edwards got, what, one more year? But so that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know we're looking at Corm definitely probably leaving after this year, right? So, what is what's the backfield kind of like looking at? Do you see a Cabana as a replacement, or do you see him as just another maybe weapon they can use out of the slot or something like that? So it's super interesting because I think he can fill in pretty quickly. I think it's pretty consensus, right? Corm's gone, and Edwards. I think from everything everybody's heard in the last six months, really like the last twelve months, is that like Edwards is gone like after this season, right? Like his intention is not to continue to be here. And I don't know, honestly, if there's anything that he can show in a 2024 season that would help him. Right. So I think they're both gone. Um, I think they're running back to own at Michigan, little hat tip to Mike Bainbridge, shockingly with some Michigan knowledge. And 
I I definitely had heard similar thoughts, but it's nice to hear him reinforce it. Is I think Ben Hall, Benji yeah. slash Benjamin Hall, is like the guy that makes a ton of sense to be that RB one for Michigan. He's huge. He's like. 231 235 pounds or something like that so i think he make he fits the michigan mold better but Mm -hmm. i definitely think michigan's gonna run it enough in general where two running backs are gonna have value right like right now edwards and corn both have a ton of value in cff and i think both of them have value in uh devi ctc whatever right so uh cabana uh, cabana to me feels like the edwards type but like i think people downplay how I feels like Edwards is bigger than people realize. Like he, so, he's a little bit more lightning than people think. And I think people consider him way more lightning than thunder, but he's definitely got mm. some thunder to him. So Cabana's really cool. I think he's going to have some definite CFF value. The problem and probably what Corey probably mentioned on the show was, I mean, he's like 175 to 80, 180 pounds, right? Like, yeah. you know, he's that's the problem. He's lean. He's jacked to the gills, right? But, like, he needs to put on, like, a significant amount of size to even, like, Edwards' size, you know, to kind of compete. But a from lot of people are preparing for the Edwards' role, you know? Yeah, so from, like, an NFL standpoint, I have I, – I, I don't consider myself one of these NFL draft types. So I would, I would definitely say, hey, Corey, what do you think? And kind of listen to Corey and others from C2C especially – but it, it, that feels pretty easy to be like, you know what? Like, I totally get it. Like, 175, 180 from Cabana is, like, a little bit stretching it for NFL standpoint. But from a college standpoint, Harbaugh is 100% capable of putting Hall or somebody else as that RB1A and using a guy like Cabana as RB1B uh, or RB2, which still would have a lot of value. Like, for me, like, CJ Stokes is – uh, has been really pretty good for Michigan, and he, I think he's a, I think he's a sophomore, a second year guy, um, but he's kind of smaller too, and I don't think he's got a ton of value because he's smaller in some of these other guys coming with bigger stars, bigger sizes, right, or like bigger speed in Cabana's pace, uh, Cabana's um, specific to him. So I really like him. I don't know if I would spend a ton of capital on him, generally speaking. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to speak to like supplemental type stuff, but like, I don't know. I probably wouldn't spend a ton on a Michigan running back that's 180 pounds at best. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he falls to a certain point, I definitely think there's some value there. Yeah. Um, he, a recent draft, uh, the dynasty draft that we had, like me, Jared, and you know, Bainbridge, all of us that are in there, he went round eight, pick nine. Do you think that's pretty solid as far as? Round wise, I mean, you you know, being in a much larger dynasty type league and things like that. I mean, this is like a fourteen teamer, right? And with like you know, fifty roster spots and stuff like that. So it's really this deep. Is, this is this CSF is dynasty. dynasty. This is straight dynasty. Yeah. So like, that feels fair. That is feels that fair, fair, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, that feels fair. It, you know, I think when you get especially fourteen teams, eight rounds. What is that like? A hundred and twelve, hundred fifty, hundred twenty type pick. Yep. It feels like you're grasping at straws anyways, right? I don't know the guys picked around him, but I can't imagine, like, you know, all he has to do is gain five to ten pounds and or just play a game or two, prove it on a couple of runs, and all of a sudden he gets in good races and you're great for two years. Mm-hmm. The, the nice thing about him is his path to playing 
is really pretty quick. Like he will probably play a couple games early on because there's going to be some blowouts. He'll probably chill the rest of the season. And then he will potentially put himself in a good spot to play from week one, a pretty decent amount in 2024. So like the nice thing about him is he does have a pretty quick path to playing time, right? Which we don't necessarily always have in some of these other cases. So And uh, you got to think like with that elite pass catching that he does carry stuff like that. I mean, he has a pro comparison of James Cook, who you know was at Georgia but went to Buffalo, right? Um, so he's passed, you know, one of the best pass catching backs in the 2023 cycle. Like he has some of the surest hands. I, you got to think what a bowl game, right? Like if Edwards and Corm, uh, you know, they go to the draft and they're like, hey, we're saving our bodies. We're not playing the bowl game. This has got to be, you know, the uh, the other two guys stepping up, right? With Cabana being the pass catching option, right? Yeah, and that's the other thing too, is right. Like he provides value in the passing game. He could he's a returner, like he's like fast electric type. So like you have other areas to provide also like another ways to provide value. When did out of curiosity, do you have top of mind where Hall went? I don't on fact. Just because I was looking at Cabana, I was looking at mid tier guys. Like I I still want to go to lower, but I might be running out of weeks before we, you know, move over to some DFS and stuff. But until then, like I'm trying to find like mid tier guys that weren't missing. Mi- a little less obvious. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cabana was brought up, but he was just a guy that I wanted to mention. And just the fact that Corey, like in the Debbie team, were just like, nah, we're out. I'm just like, my mind was blown to the point where even Nate said something to us in the Slack channel. So I was just like, okay. You know, like honestly, was like, oh, wow, the recruiting team has such high praise, you know, but yeah, it makes sense, right? The Michigan maybe wasn't the ideal fit, but I, I'm in stoke form, right? Power five, playing the big 10, a pass catching machine. Like he could be used all over the place. I'm sure Harborough can be somewhat creative. I'm hoping, right. That he can get him some play time. I think the usage enough just for running backs and the, in like their potential desire to use multiple guys is like gives Cabana a good shot. And I, I don't know if there's probably not a ton of other places that would utilize him as well because right. A lot of times, come down to like the ACC or something like that to really truly compete, you know. Yeah, a lot of times other schools may not just run it enough. Like Michigan's super fine with being super bland. I don't think a lot of other schools are cool with that and don't have the personnel to do it. So this actually feels like a situation where he goes to the right spot if he can be used creatively enough. If they can realize, hey, yeah, he's super fast. Hey, he's good in passing game. And we'll give them eight carries, 10, 12 carries, like, and, you know, early on at least, like, that feels like he could, he could provide some value. I think long term, though, NFL wise, like, he'd have to, which feels very atypical, he'd have to gain some serious weight for. I feel like he'd have to put up an amazing production, kind of like McCaffrey, to remotely get into that ballpark and being drafted he, somewhere. What was McCaffrey out of college? Uh, I mean, he was at Stanford, so I mean, he was used quite a bit in that offense i believe uh i know like he was more he was more considered wide receiver coming out and so th- there was a part like before the draft of people like is he going to go as wide receiver is he going to work out with the running backs and then did i think he, he just decided to go rb so did he, he hit did 200 in terms of weight is more my question because i don't think he did until like his second like his sophomore year at carolina when he played for the panthers i want to so say like maybe, i think it was like 180 185 to 190 most times during college i want to say yeah, well, Cabana's if you're electric like enough, under you know, so yeah, well, I think it's a, a far stretch to get close to McCaffrey for sure, right? Um, and we're talking McCaffrey's a generational type player, 
He is. He's good. But, you know, <clears throat> he can provide uh, value in a lot of different ways. Maybe, uh, you know, in the eighth round of a supplemental, like I that's not fair. like you're, yeah, you're not like killing a ton of capital here to get him. But, yeah, you know, I would focus more on the CFF standpoint, which I think is a, he's got some pretty decent value considering two guys gone. Stokes is still there, but is a, like a three-star version of what Cabana is. Yeah. You know, there's some some routes to him getting some super early playing time. Yeah. So let's talk about our next guy, and that is Mr. Darius Taylor. He's an on-three consensus, 89.63, also a four-star. He did commit to Minnesota. So they're saying that he's a slippery running back who's got great stride. Um, he loves to eat yards and is capable of maneuvering between the tackles. And he's got really great body control, meaning that he can kind of move his way through the pocket and kind of get to the next level as well. Um, he measures, you know, like I said, 5'11", 195. So he is more of a typical like running back style, running back size, which is great. Um, they said that he's really comfortable with his pass catching. He shows that he can catch the ball in traffic and away from his frame. So he does, you know, for those on YouTube, those of the diamond, you know, catches it in the diamond form, not just catches it with his numbers and things like that as well. And they think he can be a three down back. And um, he did have quite a few offers on there. He was first team all state. He won a conference championship and in wrestling too. So a guy that knows how to like get low and how to throw people and win in wrestling. Uh, one, I'm also intrigued just by just the brutality that if a guy comes on him, he can probably just throw him down. Okay. So uh, he did commit to Minnesota. They have a pro comparison of Jeff Wilson who plays for the Miami dolphins currently as well. So what's your thoughts on the Minnesota backfield? Have you got a chance to just read into that room or have you, you know, this is the, Who's the new Mo Ibrahim, right? Like Mo, right. we wrote him right. the sunset. It was great to have him see if Dynasty I let him till he took his final run, and you know I set him off into the sunset once it's time to drop in the waivers, right? <laughs> yeah, so, let him, you let him free, and then we'll I did. It was like you know, I shed a tear as I dropped into the waivers, <laughs> and I was like, Mo, it was a good run, buddy. It was scary there that one year you're injured, but I'm so glad you were back. But we're looking for the replacement. So, have you got a chance to listen to the ending of the summer series from Bud Airlock? I I don't listen. To a lot of podcasts, I have started to get more into it. It's more kind of like me trying to figure out what's a good, entertaining way for me to do it. Yeah. And I've really just more focused on the C2C stuff. Yeah, um, but I have obviously the Burning the Red Shirt guys, Andrew and Zach, have right. talked more recently about summer series. Nate talks about it all the time. So I, yeah. I have, I see myself venturing into that when I get more time type of thing. But I mean, in terms of Minnesota, right? This is a great offense to be in. Right. right? They Especially love running the football. Right. Um, to me, Taylor is a better sized college running back, especially as like a true freshman, right? Like, Absolutely. I think yeah. on the act, I think on Minnesota's site, they list him at two Oh two, which yeah. is like kind of like a deciding number for, for body shamers in the C2C community. <laughs> true. Um, what I found really interesting with him was a few different things. I think the wrestling point is a huge positive because I think in wrestling, just kind of like, um, with like ballet and dancing, like it's kind of it feels weird to like talk about it as a positive, but like there are footwork positives, there's center of balance positives, um, core positives, and like doing that type of thing for a guy like Taylor is probably super beneficial. We probably can't like point to a specific number and, and say, yeah, that's that's where it comes from, but I think that does help. Uh, but it for whatever reason, it I was reading about him and he played slot receiver sophomore and junior year uh i mean if we're talking cff value being able to catch a football like you had kind of talked about in terms of being a a good actual kind of receiver he seems very legitimate and 
that would prove to it. He had, I think, a season of 27 catches, a season of 15 catches as the running back in the senior yep. year. Super valuable. Um, and, like, the size fits for, like, a Minnesota running back. So, like, I don't know. Like, if I'm talking Minnesota running backs, I need a guy that's going to be decently valuable in the pass game and mm-hmm. just needs to be sturdy enough to be able to have 20 to 30 carries because like they will hammer the rock, right? Like if they don't mm-hmm. feel comfortable running you 25 times and they probably aren't going to make you like an RB one. Um, right. I think Sean, Ta- uh, Sean Tyler is their RB one right now. And I, they probably don't love it. Yeah. That's what I was going to uh, bring yeah. up with the summer series. They're like, they like, you know, they like his athleticism. They like, you know, his production in the Mac, but they are also the, the writers probably like, super know. worried. They're probably super ca- they you know, cautious can, about it. They just don't think he can go every three downs. You know what I'm saying? Like they see him as like a two down guy, which means who's going to get the goal line. Well, it's either going to be the other Zach Evans, the, I call him the real Zach Evans. I'm, you know, I'm kind of biased because he was You're on biased. the show. So You're biased. I'm, You're kind of, you know, biased. <laughs> but I'm a big fan of <laughs> Darius Taylor. I mean, yeah, but Darius Taylor is a stud. I mean, he's he ran 11.4 in a 100-meter. He did track two, you know what I'm saying? Like, Darius Taylor has all these tangibles to where, like, if you really wanted a true three down like Mo Ibrahim, like, I feel like Taylor out of the three would probably be the more ideal fit, even as the freshman. It's just a matter of his flick going to play him, you know, at, at, as a freshman. Yeah. Or is he just going to write out what he's got with Tyler being the transfer, you know? Yeah, I, it's super interesting because Tyler had a ton of uh, – he had a, enough games of – like 18 plus carries where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, like he could, he could probably handle a full workload, but it's also Mac versus big Mac, 10. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, he's also like getting up in carries just in usage in total. Right. So right. I don't, I, my suspicion is they don't love the situation at their running back. They brought him in to help um, pots left, right? Like Trace and pots. Yeah. You know, he fit he fit more of the mold of what they were looking for, and they probably figured, let's just have a couple of dudes we can just rotate in. Yep. Um, it's possible Taylor gets some carries early. My bet is this is a 2024 play, but it feels like a honestly like a really pretty decent 2024 play. Like this feels like one that you could draft them in a decent spot, not spend a ton of capital, and get yourself a guy that's going to have two seasons of super heavy usage. I just don't see a guy like Tyler's going to be gone. Bryce Williams. I believe he's still there. He should be gone. Zach Evans is the only guy he's got to beat out. And I know you're an Evans guy. If he doesn't do anything this year, there's no reason for their staff to be like super allegiant to him. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So you're bringing a four star with good size uh, in like watching tape. I don't know if their offensive line was just the greatest thing ever. He's from like Detroit or from like Michigan, right? Like, yeah, um, he's close enough by him and near the Midwest, which I, which I think is like pretty good high school football. But like every single time I watched him play, he would run and like nobody would touch him for like ten yards. And I was he like, and it was he was a man. <laughs> A lot of it was north south, though, which I think is nice, right? Like, he didn't. Mm-hmm. We hear a lot of times in listening to these podcasts with C2C and uh, Corey and Austin, Colin, Matt, all the guys, right? They're right. like, well, they got a lot of yardage, but they like shot out wide super quick. Like, mm-hmm. they just went right outside. And he did not Tell do that, right? No, he's not afraid. <laughs> he, 
if he's not afraid, that's a perfect fit for Minnesota. But I yep. talked a ton on him. I'm curious, do you kind of align with kind of like my initial thoughts or? I do. I feel like um, I don't know if Tyler, I mean, we're going to find out, right, one way or the other, if Sean Tyler is capable of moving up to a P5 and just getting hammered nonstop by like defensive guys, like probably twice the size of him, basically. So we're going to find that out, right? If Tyler can't be a three down back and he's only can do two, which they rave about a two down with Sean Tyler, but I don't, that's not Minnesota. So eventually you think Fleck is just going to be like, all right, let's see what Evans has got. So it's going to come down, I think, to Evans. And I think if Evans balls out, he might run away with it. But if he doesn't, like you're talking about, Taylor's really, really intriguing. Like, I feel like he could be a really, really solid option. He did go round five, pick nine, and that was Justice who took him in our league as well. So Justice obviously thinks that might be Taylor might be that guy that might be standing out between three. And honestly, as far as overall talent, Taylor is that guy. I like as much as, you know, I'm a fan of Zach Evans and I like his heart and I like, you know, what he brings to the table. Dearest Taylor is an all around just beast of an athlete, you know, and he's like I said, running back and he can catch out of the backfield. Whereas we all know, like, I don't think. I don't think Mo did much catching at all. He just ran people over with the offensive line. So it's like if Taylor can add it, even more of a, like a PPR asset, like fantasy wise, that's a lot more intriguing. I'd say probably than Zach Evans. What do you think? I mean, I, I think Minnesota is not against throwing to their running backs. I just think they knew that Mo wasn't going to catch or like wasn't yeah, the best for that. Apart. And that's why the numbers were low, but like Bryce Williams and some of those other guys had, you know, two to four catches a game like when they got like actual playing time. So if you can combine that, Taylor doesn't have to be that great, of, like as great of a runner as Mo or get as, as great of usage to still provide value from, at least from a CFF aspect, from an NFL aspect, it does feel like he fits the size. If he can, you know, continue to be a good pass catcher, then, you know, right. Like in the NFL, we're starting to see like pass catchers like matter a lot, right? Like they're easy points The I, it's like in basketball for me, I call them garbage rebounds. You know, it's like people that can just get points just by being around the basket and doing what they're supposed to do. Just fundamentals, right? Like I don't need 15 exactly. yards to catch out of Taylor. I need him to catch the ball and go for four yards or exactly. to fall forward. Right. Just get the first down. Yep. So I think he was of the guys that we're talking about today. I think he's the most intriguing uh, from a CFF aspect, because I do think the fit is really like it is a really good fit for him. Mm-hmm. And he does provide something on top of what previous Minnesota running backs typically haven't like been more well-rounded. So he's very interesting. And I'm glad that you probably on because I probably would have never looked into him. And I'm in yeah. a dynasty startup right now. So I will probably right. target him at some point. I would honestly like if you know, or if you've got a supplemental in there too, maybe snag Evans, and then honestly, whichever one wins out, drop the other one, and you know, let the good times roll. And now you got another Minnesota running back. I mean, that's a good idea. I think. Uh, I mean, I had, like we said, I had Ibrahim let him go, but I didn't really have any stake in the Minnesota running back game, you know, anymore. So it's smart on Justice to be like, hey, I'm gonna stake my claim on one of the guys and see what happens. So. I mean, not bad, but uh, I think that was interesting because out of the four, I mean, we're talking about wide receivers, and that that was the one because the next guy I want to talk about I think could be intriguing just considering that we have a new coach, and that's Matt Rule there at Nebraska. But, of course, this is Malachi Coleman, four-star. He's 95.65, did commit to Nebraska. Uh, the dude's an absolute beast, 6'4", 190, and I think he's probably more than that on Nebraska's website now currently as well. I think he's well over 200, so um, – 
uh, he's probably one of the most physically gifted, they said, uh, as far as like the way that he was actually a two-way athlete. So he was wide receiver, but of course he did some CB stuff as well. So he knows the position fairly well from both sides. Um, he ran 10.46 and 100 meter at 6.4 and 200 some pounds. That's pretty remarkable as well. He has a ridiculous catch radius, so he's a very long one. They said he has a pro comparison of Martavis Bryant when his time there at Clemson before the decline when he went to Pittsburgh and then to the XFL. Um, but before that, they said, you know, Coleman's tall. He's got long, uh, long stretch, high upside player. Uh, he's got big playability, which means, you know, if you throw it up, he's going to pull it down. Like I said, with the radius that he has, you know, any any quarterback with a decent enough arm could probably get it within the facility and he'll pull it down, right? But I'm more intrigued because it's Matt Rule, right? And we just had, shoot, what's the wide receiver? Trey Palmer, right? Who was in that system that did pretty good for CFF purposes. I know he disappeared in a few games, and that wasn't even with Matt Rule. Do you think Rule coming back? Because he's a really solid like college coach. We all know like NFL didn't work out for him. But what are your thoughts on Nebraska in the Big Ten? Matt Rule being at the helm. What do you think about a big, tall wide receiver in that type of offense that he does? Especially when he did like Baylor and things like that too. So, I mean, the Baylor offenses were always productive, right? Um, Nebraska more recently, you had to really rely on like heavy usage for like value. It feels like, but. You know, I don't know if he necessarily targeted a specific uh, position or whatever, right, to, like, provide value. I think he seems super interesting because he seems like an uber athlete with huge frame. And rule one thing that Rule can do is produce a great college quarterback. And a great college quarterback can find a great college receiver. And I mean that as in, like, like specifically, he's very good in college. Like, he's very – you know, maybe he doesn't fit NFL and I mean, he's like huge. Right. So like he probably does fit NFL by oh, easily, yeah. but yeah, like, he's a good prospect. You, like rule could make a five foot eight, 185 pound receiver, relevant. like irrelevant in college. If he was a good college receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is very intriguing to me. I think like a very competent um, coaching staff is really interesting to me. His size is super interesting to me. He's very highly touted. I think he was the number one player. He was from Nebraska, right? Like he's the number one player he in did, Nebraska. He did, yeah, he school. chose the home state, which is a rare occasion, especially with that <clears> higher <throat> star that he had and all the offers that he had. He he had quite the, the offer sheet for sure. Um, but yeah, he's absolutely stud. Yeah, and what's really interesting to me is he did long jump, he sprinted, and he played basketball. Shockingly, right? Six four, one eighty five type guy. He played basketball, right. but like to me, that says. Like, I think specifically, like, the long jump and the sprint is super interesting to me because he's not just some tall dude that just jumped over people, right? Like, it wasn't very fast. And that shows, like, a level of athleticism that is pretty interesting. So, you you mix what seems like a pretty legitimate athlete with good size with a very competent coaching staff at Nebraska, and that feels like a really pretty relevant true freshman. You know, like some of these guys feel sketchy, right? Like some of these guys are like big, big right. stars or whatever. And you're like, yeah, good, good location, high star rating. But I don't know, man, this guy, feel, this feels like a pretty legitimate a fit. Fit, fit, a legitimate option, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, so I played uh, a game when I was drafting and then I know it's a dangerous game, K, but I wanted to see, 
if people because people forget about Nebraska, honestly, especially at the wide receiver. Like if it wasn't for sure. Palmer, they did it right. So I was the one that picked him. Can you guess what round I was able to get Malachi Coleman in and then CFF? It was supplemental too. So there's some supplemental and there's some and there's some freshmen, but can you guess where I was able to pick him up at? So Taylor, you said it was like a fifth rounder, right? Just yeah, round right? five, and then Cabana I was, was round eight. I, believe. I would yeah. say later, right? Like Nebraska doesn't scream out as like a as a high profile receiver spot. Um, so I would say somewhere between the seventh and tenth round. Right, I got him round ten, pick four, which I thought was the steal of the draft. And then later on, people are like, "Is Malachi Coleman still?" I was like, "Nope, I got him." <laughs> so that I knew I did right because I think people are also doing it. Maybe I know Jared's in there, stuff like that too. So maybe we're all we're thinking the same thing. Like, how much value can I get by taking Coleman later? But honestly, I was like, you know, it's a dangerous game. But I honestly want to see if I could get him down to double digits because I had him in the queue like probably three rounds before, Chris. But it was just like, you know, people were doing it. There were some good you're supplemental guys I was snagging. I need some tight ends. So, you know, I had to go grab a couple of guys. So you're trying you know, to thread I, the needle a little bit too, right? I, like I did. it was a little scary. Saying, hey, no. if there's one guy I can I think I can kind of see fall, mm-hmm. it's him. And I, I think the same thing. I'm doing a, a dynasty startup, and there's definitely guys I like that I'm like. I value him here, but I, yeah. I don't think others do. So I'm going to wait a little bit. Um, yeah. The thing with Nebraska is talent, but I was just like, I got to get the value, man. If I can get a full rounds later, you know. I mean, ninety five point six five is pretty dang high on, on three, right? Like, that's what is that? That's he's two points or uh, if like twenty four. I I don't know. It was either it was um, rivals or on or 24-7, but if they rate him just a tad higher, he would have moved up to a five star. He was originally a five star before. I think one of the the sites went down on him a little bit or gave him a ding for something, which I'm so still which, trying what to is that, like top 50 overall, top 80? Yeah, like and in the wide receivers, he's like top 15 wide receivers in the class or whatever. So yeah. I mean, like in, in Nebraska, you know, so I'm just like, holy cow. Yeah. Who Here's the thing to think about. Who is Nebraska's receiver one right now, Brandon? Uh, I don't know. That's why I'm hoping it's him, right? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? That's more, that's and, more my point, right? Him. My question is, do we trust Jeff Sims, Chris K? I don't know, man. I Okay, so I don't know if it's going to be relevant because I think – I don't know how many years he's going to be there, but, like, the, their receiving group is super thin with guys that have been there a while that That's have not done a whole man. lot, right? So, yeah. like, if you haven't done a whole lot after three, four years in college, like, I'm not going to put it against a, a top 50 or 75 guy that with great size, some mm-hmm. athleticism – that coaches want to make happy. We're in a portal era, right? Like if rule right. doesn't play Coleman, what are the chances that he leaves? I'm not saying it's going to happen. I have no idea. Right. But like, Possible. I can tell you what's going to keep Coleman is you play him, mm-hmm. you know, you give him so, a season. Yeah. Yeah. So other receivers at Nebraska are like Billy Kemp is the guy that's oh, being drafted. And yeah, he's a, he's a recent transfer. That's why he yeah. forgot. Josh Fleeks is another tra- uh, receiver. Uh, Xavier Betts, who probably is comparable in terms of size. I want to say Xavier Betts is pretty tall and lanky. Um, But guys that, like, don't do anything for me. Yeah, Kemp's the only one that remotely piques an interest, you know, just because when when it was – like five foot seven, right? Yeah. So he fits a different mold of what could be beneficial. So this feels like a good fit. He's a hometown guy, you know, home state guy. So maybe mutually beneficial. Um, I think 10th round is like a no brainer. I think that's a great pick. Yeah, man. 
I thought it was a good steal. I think, you know, if you haven't done it or you're doing it like Kay's doing now where you're in your your drafts and you're still doing ongoing stuff, maybe even tech him late in the best ball. I think that would be a decent idea, right? I think he could be a good breakout and just a guy you can get probably near the last rounds of a best ball too. So even if you're doing redraft, that might be something to look at if you're doing best ball version of that. So keep looking at Malachi Coleman. I think he's one of the steals of the freshman drafts this year as well. So let's move on to the next guy. And I was hoping Ethan was going to be here because I gave him a Penn State guy. I just lob one up and let him talk about it. But we can talk about Penn State. Um, so this is Carmelo Taylor. He's on three consensus 90.42. And he's a four-star prospect. And he did commit to Penn State. Um, so he, he gives them a pro comparison of Darnell Mooney, which that doesn't make me happy on an NFL fantasy perspective, only because of the offense that Chicago has. But Mooney was pretty decent as far as like his tangibles being able to receive on there as well. Um, he's really good about catching his hands. So Taylor's really good about he's good at the ability to get deep. So he's like that deep threat. But here's here's where I wanted to talk to Ethan, but I'll talk to you basically. So I wrote up about Drew Allar and our, and our guy, which, you know, the franchise, the next man up. I think like Penn State could be a decent team to compete in the Big Ten this year and kind of compete against you guys at Michigan, Ohio State. I think that could be like a three man race basically for the top there but he's got – it seems like Penn State always brings in a transfer, right? So this year's Cephas. Last year was my boy Mitchell Tinsley. And then you know, they only have – like Dotson was the true one that was – I believe that was out of Penn State as well. So it feels like Penn State's uh, wide receiver room gets a little bit more crowded each and every year go along with it. So Taylor's got all these great tangibles, right? He looks great upfield. He's good about getting up to that one. He likes to jam corner. So he, he does all this stuff, right? But it's like – how long before we would actually probably see Taylor? So what's your thoughts, Kay, as far as like the wide receiver room? What do you think about Alar? I mean, that's definitely the upgrade versus our boy Sean Clifford from him and his super senior years, right? So it's like the upgrade's there, and I think they're going to be a little bit better at the passing, but they got studs in the running back position. They just seem balanced. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about Taylor seeing the field for a couple years, if that makes sense. What's your thoughts overall? Is that kind of what you, your mind wonders to? Um. It's hard to say, like, Cephas has some years of eligibility. Uh, Lambert Smith probably has another year after this year. Unless it's, I think, so junior this year, too. So um, it's, hard, it's hard to say. The thing is, right, like, he's not very big. So you wonder how much they just automatically sit him just because he's not big. Do they even give him a shot? Right. Like I think he has some like really good speed and he seems super intriguing from some of his like high school numbers of like athleticism and stuff like that. So like maybe they just say, you know, scary, you know, like 160 pounds. That's less than Canada, you know? Yeah. So like, I think like Harrison Wallace is like, I don't know. He seems like a guy that's kind of interesting, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're that bought in on him. Yeah, it does feel like best case scenario. You're looking at like a year and a half, two years. Um, and it's not like such a heavy volume offense that I'll wait two years for. You'd have to get kind of lucky, right? Like Cephas would have to go pro. Lambert Smith would have to go pro. Or they'd have to be an unfortunate injury to take place for him remotely Stumped. have a shot, right? But they still right. got Katie Saunders. We keep forgetting about Saunders and LR came together. They have a good partnership. So that's another thing we got to worry about. And Saunders was like a five-star. So it's, it's hard for Carmelo Taylor to remotely that one. I see him more as a, a really good opportunity for a transfer, man. Like he would be the one that and I was trying to get Ethan's take, but I mean, 
honestly, just between, you know, you and me, like, I don't know if he sees a big 10 game, if that makes sense, unless he stays within the conference, I feel like he could probably move elsewhere and kind of be an all-star pretty much at that position. If that makes sense. I think definitely. And that's kind of what I was going to lead into was here in a sense, he kind of reminds me of Khalil Pimpleton. Yes. Very exactly. short. Uh, although I'm, I'm sorry, not very short. Uh, very small in terms of weight. He's a little right. bit more lanky. He's 5'11. Uh, He's decent size. Pimpleton was like 5'8, maybe 5'9 mm-hmm. with similar weight. So, like, kind of same. But I think, like, Pimpleton went to, for those that don't know or don't watch Virginia Tech football, which I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> small guy. He kind of got on the field a little bit. He kind of seemed interesting, but never stuck. He transferred, uh, transferred to Central Michigan, became super relevant yep. very quick at, in CFF. Yeah, uh, great in the that. punt game, uh, great in the return game. They just hammered him in the, in the passing game um, because he just made plays. And when you're at Central Michigan, like the competition is a little bit different and like spacing is different. And it just it snowballed into him being super productive. To me, Taylor could fit that. Uh, he could fit that mold, right? Like he seems very fast. Uh, I wrote down as a freshman, he tallied 30 rushing touchdowns and eight passing touchdowns. So that tells me, I don't know if this was like JV or something, but he played quarterback and then all of a sudden they move him to receiver. And it's like, how do you move a quarterback that had 38 total touchdowns? Yeah. I to was another like, position. I've got a live arm and you're going to move to receiver. I don't, I don't know who the other quarterback was, but I need to know who that was because that's pretty crazy. And that to me, that's like, okay, well, he can make plays, which reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of like a Pimpleton. Um, Taylor was also recruited by Virginia Tech. Like, I think his top three was Penn State, Virginia Tech, and like Temple or something, right? Yeah, like, there's like one more G5 that was way up there. So I don't know. I think you're right. He, the chances of him playing at Penn State are pretty limited. I think, though, we're in the world of, uh, of supplementals and rookie draft, like freshman drafts where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to bank on talent, not like school because right. what are the chances he's actually going to play at that school? Right. And if, if he's going to sit a year and transfer, sit a year and a half, two years and transfer, then it's like, okay, well I'm banking on talent. You know, I'm not banking on the offense because I could draft a guy that's in USC or Oklahoma's offense and he never plays for it. And then he goes to somewhere that's not great, right? Like a maybe right. like Nebraska, Colorado, like something sure. that's not going to be super heavy like volume, Florida right? I don't know, something cool. Or I might draft a running back like uh, at Indiana, you know, and then yeah. he goes to Minnesota. And how much of an upgrade is that, right? So right. I think he might fit more of the mold of like, I'm going to draft talent in terms of strategy than. Mm-hmm. a mix of talent and uh position like position with the with the school yeah so no surprise taylor was not taken in all like 16 rounds of the the freshman supplemental draft but right. i not a lot of people know that carmelo taylor even went to penn state i'll be honest with you like he's one of those mid-tier guys like you see like malachi coleman and you start seeing these like three stars i'm like that guy actually looks really good he's going to a good school oh this guy's going to g5 and he you know, i was like i wasn't expecting that he should probably be at p5 so it's like taylor's like wedged in there with some of these guys that are probably more intriguing to us from the start you know at different schools and stuff like that but i feel like he is a prime He's definitely like, I don't know, he's just the circle, maybe a watch list type guy, but it's one like I don't think we would grab anytime soon. But if there was, you know, if we see him transfer and he's going to like, I don't know, 
if safety does go like a central Michigan or he winds up somewhere like that, then that's someone I'm keeping my eye on because I think that would be a good, a good pairing, especially at a lesser, uh, lesser competition. I think he'd destroy people. Hopefully he mm-hmm. uses that time at Penn state to get some size on too. I think that'd be pretty important mm-hmm. for him in this first year. Maybe, too, so. Yeah. Maybe he takes advantage of their coaching and, you know, strength and conditioning staff. You know, realistically, there's like two very solid receiving options for Penn State, but they have some years. I think, as far as I know, Cephas does. I think Lambert Smith does. So it's more a blocker, right? We have a couple blockers. If something happens to one of those two guys, you know, maybe this is one of those wait and sees, right? Like maybe you keep in the back of your mind, you watch some Penn State games because they're going to play some big games. Oh, he gets some snaps. Oh, he catches a couple passes. Now you kind of come into the game with some knowledge of like four star, super fast, has shown some athleticism in high school in terms of like rushing and playmaking. And then you can say, okay, well, I drafted so and so, and he's a he's got nothing in four weeks and he's blocked by XYZ. I'd rather swap it out. You know, give me this guy who I've yep. seen to get at snaps at least, type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, this is kind of like um we're, we're releasing a, a Burning the Red Shirt podcast tomorrow morning, or I should say Thursday morning, right? I don't know when this is being dropped, but right. But Thursday morning, we're talking uh, uh, Conference USA, and some of these schools are, like, super sketchy. It feels like there's a good offense. feels like maybe there's a good player, too. But right. what we've kind of discovered is that, like, we need to see some of these teams play, mm. but we need to keep an eye on it, right? Like, we need to keep a side eye on, like, Jacksonville State, Sam Houston State. There's a couple of interesting yes. guys, but I just don't want to spend capital up front when nobody else is, and I don't need to press it. I can just keep an eye on it and then add from there. Yeah. Hopefully that I'm makes not, sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's a big fishball pond I was trying to look at, and the dude was at Sam Houston State, and I don't know if I'm ready to pull that trigger or reveal that to the world yet, Chris. I think that's too scary right now. <laughs> that feels a little small, yeah. A freshman at Sam Houston State, that's like digging into the deep bend, man. That was like a, a deep dive. But, uh, yeah, that, yeah I, I feel you. And I think um, just to wrap this up before we move to big fish, small pond, but Taylor's definitely a side eye, like you're talking about. Just give him the side eye. Just make sure, like, just keep an eye on him because uh, if he drops down to a lesser com- conference USA Mac, I'm I'm interested. So Taylor put on the watch list, but uh, he's definitely going under the radar. So if anything, he might be an easy waiver snag, and you probably don't have to drop if you're using Fab like a couple bucks, if not maybe even a dollar, and you're able to snag him up mm-hmm. if something pops off where he gets there. So keep an eye on him. All right, are you done? Are we are we done talking Big Ten? You ready to talk some action, baby? I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm always oh, willing to try to talk to Maxion, but Maxion's been dirty to me in the past. So let's let's try oh, it. Let's we'll see what happens. Action showdowns and DFS, ladies and gentlemen, is is the way to go. Please, like, just let the good. There's no defense. You just find what you can. Dig deep. Just find the wide receiver three. Throw them in and let the good times roll. Uh, it's so much fun, Kay. So much fun. All right, let's talk about Mr. Dion Brown. So recently in the Slack channel, we talked about Samson Evans because he's going to be up in the guide. He's actually really high as far as a guy that's uh, that's being drafted. So Dion Brown has an on-three consensus, A3.13. He's a three-star prospect, and he has committed to Eastern Michigan. So he is going to go play on the uh, the gray field at K. Every time I look at it, I feel like there's like 
clouds overhead and it's like a rainy it feels like seattle just by the how doom and gloom it feels maybe it's the gray and the green that they do okay but uh their field just depresses me if that makes sense i don't know why that does that but as far as what's not depressing is that run game and so Dion brown is a five so he's five eight so he's definitely a little smaller and he's only 155 pounds currently but i did not check eastern michigan site i don't even know if eastern michigan has a website i haven't even really checked honestly so i'm assuming they probably do because it's a match and that's gone there as well um but high school he attended kirkwood high school let's see let's move this over here 58155 he's from st louis missouri kirkwood high school he set the school record for rushing yards in one game 359 yards he also rushed for 27 of the team's 50 total offensive touchdowns. So that was 54% of the actual offense that he played at to go on as well. He broke the uh, record for touchdowns in a single game as well at seven. Uh, he also ran track and field and participated in wrestling. So he's another wrestling guy that knows how to get low, move his hips, adjust, and things like that. So the only thing I saw was that Samson Evans is a big boy. He's like 5'11", 200-something pounds. He's the prototypical running back, and he's a hammer. But it's the matching. So that's where it's like, you know, if you put Cabana in the match, and Cabana is going to smash them, right? So that's where I see this kind of going. So he had a few offers. He did choose Eastern Michigan. Of course, he uh, got uh, approached. We hope Coach Prime's doing okay. We heard about the foot. Coach Prime, we hope you're feeling better, buddy. But Colorado is offering everybody, Chris. And this guy's name is Dion. So do you think the nepotism just ran so deep with, uh, with Coach Prime that he was just like, I got to get – Mr. Brown, because he would just be like another son to me. Uh, that was as a rhetorical question. You don't have to ask to that. <laughs> I think there, was, there might have been some desperate uh, yeah. intentions there. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, North I, Texas, I, State, these are all really great offers, you know? As well, no, there's, there's, there's what, you know, who offers what is nice, right? Like, it's good to see. Michigan, Bama, Georgia, Texas, right. right? Offer that's always great, but like that does that's not the end all be all, right? Like, and right. I think no. one thing that I really like with your podcast and who you talk about is like obviously we're talking about big names, but like we're also not like you're trying to dig into people that people aren't talking about, right? So like I'm trying to find the diamonds in the rough, yeah. You're trying to find some people that are, you know, you can get in the fifteenth round that could provide value. So does he fit that mold? Yes. Um, I worry about size, right? I like that's a very small, that's a very small gentleman. It's a small um, cannonball. Yes. Uh, but he has shown some success. I don't know how good of, I think St. Louis has some pretty decent high school football. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Missouri's got some good, good players. Uh, my one concern would be and something to keep an eye on this year is how much does Eastern Michigan hammer one running back, right? Like if we're doing a Mac running back, right. We need volume. Right, yeah. Marquez Cooper is super valuable because of volume. Sia mm-hmm. Bengura, Samson Evans, they provide value. Carson Steele last year, right. they provide value because they're pretty good to very good, and they run the shit out of it. Right, like lack of better mm-hmm. words, they just run a lot. Yeah. I worry about size for that. I also worry because Evans was a heavy volume guy last mm-hmm. year, but if you look at like previous years, which is kind of tough because twenty twenty, they had a bunch of like decent running backs Evans being one of them and mm-hmm. they kind of split carries they haven't necessarily hammered one running back so I would keep an eye on it do they continue to do that in 2023 right if so and he can bulk up a little bit right we've talked about Sean Tyler we've talked about Cooper they're not huge dudes but they have run it a bunch right mm-hmm. so why can't Deion Brown not be that next guy the thing is 
you're getting them for free, right? Like you're getting with yeah. you're this, literally. This time, uh, I think this name is being brought up in general. So like, I feel like this is like a definitely like I, an NBL. I don't even know if you would draft them, but you would. What you would definitely. do is you wait a couple of weeks, see if you can cut some dead weight. You know, maybe an older guy or two that are just like got swamped in depth chart. You drop them. Add Deion Brown for two months. See if anything shakes out, any progress, any positive momentum. See what happens. I mean, is that kind of what your outlook is there? Like, you obviously yeah, so, put them on here for a reason. What are, what's the positives? We can talk about the negatives. What are the positives? Yeah, yeah. For you? So you're hitting in the same ballpark. I'm thinking. So it's like I'm 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 more concerned about what Samson Evans looks like this year in 2023, right? And so and then do they keep the same off? Like, do they keep the same coach, offensive coordinator? If that all stays the same, K then I'm, I'm, I'm an intrigued Two, Evans is a graduate transfer. This is his last hurrah. Like this is Evans mm-hmm. like last chance to do it, possibly get some NFL draft stock. If not, then he'll just crush at the XFL level and he'll walk on somewhere and be, you know, he'll be a great backup in the NFL, but also their backup Jalen Jackson. He's a senior transfer. So literally behind that, there is nobody. So literally it's like Dion Brown comes in the prime real estate one. He's one injury away. He's also, 2024 it's wide open and unless they get like someone maybe some more size he's a high star a high three star and he definitely can catch out the backfield i don't know if catching really is a thing in eastern michigan i you know they lost haste on Baydoon. um we don't have the days of uh mr glass the third um from back you know a couple years ago things like that so eastern michigan used to be more balanced but now it's like they are depending on the run more so as long as that doesn't change Deion brown has a very fast track and that's what intrigued me the most k maybe you know it does scare me with 155 pounds but we are in the mac so as long as the offensive line can just hold him upright basically he's like a little he's like a little you know ball that just can like bounce like a little bouncy ball that could just fire off and then kind of keep going if he can keep his legs going i think he could get to the second level and beat people out like i said he needs the size 155 scares me so i'm hoping like they've just fed him non-stop and if he can get up to 175 i'd be a little bit that's still scary for me but that's better than nothing right so well it makes you moxley say moxley said what 10 to 15 pounds usually in college as far as like size most average i would say i think i think what they said was about 15 pounds on average and maybe maybe it's bigger for guys that are 155 coming into it right what what is really interesting to think about is he was rated a three star like a mm-hmm. decently high three star yep. and they knew what his size was right like mm-hmm. two four seven arrivals so why would they rate a five eight or whatever right 155 guy mm-hmm. a three star so he has to do something that's really pretty special in some way. And, and look at his right? numbers that he put at his high school. I don't know if the, his high school is like a higher tier, you know, in, in Missouri or not. But I, the fact that he put down seven touchdowns in one game and 352 in one game, like it's either the competition sucked or he just like was an unstoppable force or he was playing – with purpose, you know, we've heard guys where it's like something happened, family or something like that, and they just play their hearts out and they have like the game of their life and things like that. You know, we did that with uh, Joe Hyman, I believe, last year told us about like he something happened and he like destroyed, had like a five touchdown game. And now he's at Northwestern. You know, I don't know if he's going to start this year, but I mean, he's definitely in the running for backup role for sure um, here in his, his sophomore season. I see very similar. Like they just saw the the drive, the heart, the the accolades. You know, I'm just. 
there's something i mean in eastern michigan it's like it's not they're going to get like every three or four star in the book right so they probably had to look at him like he's an unstoppable maybe he did they just see him as one of those kids that just won't quit and so they're just like yeah we'll just feed the kid and just you know let, let's see what happens you know that's kind of what i'm thinking yeah i mean i will certainly think about him and in, in put him in the back of my head see what happens just don't do the it best is- part. like don't take him anywhere yet just no, watch no, no, no. This is- the star beside him, you know what i mean but he, yeah, he might I- be intriguing by the end of the year so this could be a long-term play for sure but like i don't know it, it's kind of stuck with me it's like why would they rate him a, th- a decently high three-star if right at 155, right? Like, that's so right. small for a running back. We're not talking about a receiver that's crazy dynamic. We're talking about a running back. So, what intrigues me is that even Prime wanted him, whether he was going to be like a passing, but it isn't the other one, the other freshman that, that's in the guy, Edwards, I believe, isn't he fairly small too? So, it's like, I think so, even too, if yeah. Prime saw something with him, so Ball, right? Ball State was super successful with young freshman player. Yep. Uh, Carson Steele was young, he wasn't yep. small. But they brought on Marcus Cooper, who's small. Right. North Texas has North had Texas. a bunch of successful running backs. Mm-hmm. You know, like some of these schools just kind of know what to look for out of mm-hmm. running backs. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it's apples to apples, but grasping at straws here. You know, we are. We are. this is a deep dive. Know, you know, this is a super deep dive, zero cost type item, you know, or zero cost type player. Like, why not? Right. So. Right. Interesting player. I, I would have never even thought about him. So I appreciate you having me on. And so I can learn about him. Yeah, man. That's probably my favorite part is not telling anyone of the guest uh, what the actual big fish small pond is. I did for champion last week because, you know, he just came on last second. I felt bad that he, he had to hop in. So I was just like, all right, I'll tell you what's going on. But other than him, everyone else is like, I, I've genuinely enjoyed seeing the reaction and just trying to like process you know, what I'm bringing to the table as far as the big fish small pond on that one. I think the hardest one was the Harvey Broussard one from Louisiana. That's a tough sell, but you know, at least Jared was somewhat optimistic. He didn't completely bear me, but you know, Louisiana is a great name for Lafayette, right? Yeah. Broussard is like, another guy that took Louisiana over like, I don't know, Nebraska. And I think a few guys like USC, a few other options offered him. So same thing here, like Deion Brown's like, you know, he got four offers, but yet he took Eastern Michigan over Colorado. I think that's, I think they're saying something, you know? Yeah. So keep Deion Brown in the name, uh, just deep in your mind, but, uh, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't take any drafts yet. Don't, don't take him in the lines unless you can truly believe he'll get on there as well. All I'm saying is that that backfield is going to be pretty empty come next year. So that could also be a transfer spot too. So we got to look at that too. So, but Chris, I want to thank you for coming on, talk to some big tents and running back wide receivers. He's already mentioned it, but tell him about the BTR pod. Tell him, you know, what you might have coming up. I know we've been working on the guide. You got anything going on as we wrap that up? Yeah, Canvas to Canton. We're doing uh, the CFF guide, which comes out in like 10 days, which should be super exciting. This is my first time working on it. It's fun to see it behind the scenes and how it all gets put together and the different efforts from different people. It's super interesting. It'll be, I mean, it's, it's such a low amount of money, like, right? Like it's, it's crazy, right? Like you're going to buy a magazine for 15 bucks. This is from people that are super CFF focused, super fantasy focused. Definitely worth checking out, which will be fun. Uh, Burning the red shirt, BTR underscore pod. Once a week, we talk about different things. This summer, we've been really focused on something different, something new is, which is we're bringing on guests. We're talking conferences. So we had Mox on for the Sunbelt, which was awesome. The, The guy is like, 
a wealth of knowledge, super degenerate. Like, how does yeah. this wife even look at him at night? You know, um, <laughs> it's so, the wine, uh, man. They're so bright. It's the whole, it's, it's that's like why he wears it. Brings him back in. We had a uh, Brandon the champion talking Big Ten. Um, we had a uh, franchise who was awesome talking to ACC. We're we're releasing, like I said, on Thursday morning. You, it'll be already available. Talking Conference USA. So. We're, we're targeting different people that are super degenerate about certain conferences, uh, doing a great job talking about it, like Mox did specifically for sure. So just having a good time talking about, you know, different teams and <laughs> bringing in different people, which has been fun to get a good new perspective. And, uh, you know, we'll probably have to bring you on next year. We I think we considered yeah. you for ACC, Brandon, but that'd been cool. We, we couldn't pass awesome. up franchise. Franchise is oh, just okay. like one in a million. If you heard it, it's just like just I didn't even good. I didn't even do it. I didn't even host it because I was like I had a I had a tough day, and then uh, Andrew took over, which was great. But it was the best thing that ever happened. The, the two of their chemistry was awesome. But I think probably next year we'll bring you on for ACC, mix it up a little bit. Sure. I mean, at least they dropped the name on the ACC episode. I, I think Cat's kind of threw me on the bus. He's like, maybe it's the fandom that he thinks that, you know, Drake Mays run the offense. Guys, let's face it. Drake Mays running that offense. Chip right? <laughs> uh, Lindsay's just going to, you know, he was just ride him, ride him to glory until he has to deal with Connor Harrell next year. But till that happens, you know, we'll, we'll see what really happens. But shout out to Kyle Francis, man. Like that guy's brain, stuff like that. It was just really cool. That conversation between him and Cass, it was a good one to one you know, match up. I'm always stuck when you get to, you know, hop on and, and get to talk and stuff, but that was a good episode for sure. So it represented ACC well. So go check that out. If you haven't already go catch up in all the BTR episodes, the conference one, you know, you want to listen to them when they start doing uh, the win totals and stuff like that. Some of my favorite episodes when they, when I'm just trying to throw my team out there, like, come on, man, just, just tell me what it's going to be. I just need to know. So go check that out. Of course you can find uh, Chris K at Twitter at realist Chris K. Yes, he still looks like Carson Palmer, but Carson Palmer actually looks like him. So just remember that. But uh, we want to thank you guys for coming and listening, and we'll see you next time.